Okay, good morning. We have lots of uh, glossolalia here this morning. If you do not know what the word glossolalia means, it's one that you can learn. It's not a hard word to learn. Glossolalia is the uh, Greek word for languages or tongues, often interpreted uh, or translated as tongues in English. in the New Testament, glossolalia, and there are two different, minimal of two different forms in the New Testament. Uh, one is the uh, is glossolalia, uh, and that is the idea of languages that are spoken. That is one. And uh, then there uh, is also the, the, the language spoken only to heaven, which might be a prayer language. Um but most often, except for 
as far as I can recall, one instance in 1 Corinthians 14, uh, all of them are the idea of speaking in uh, a language that somebody could be able to discern and understand. So we have this, and I can't even say these, Mayan Abak in Kapampangan. I'm trying to say this. Claire is probably laughing at me. Uh, Claire is one of our listeners, member of our church, uh, part of the worship team, some, sometimes our worship leader. And uh, so, and Magandang Umaga. I do not have the gift of languages at all. It is not in my gift mix. I'm sure I butchered that. Uh, now, I can get bonjour, buenos dias, guten morgen. I get those, but... Then when it gets into the more Asian types of dialects, I have a little bit. Uh, Jumbo Buana, uh, uh, I think if I'm remembering that correctly, uh, Swahili, which would be Kenyan. So uh, anyway, just throwing those things out there, all these different ways. And for you, my friends, to think about um, the body of Christ around the world. Uh, to me, that's an exciting thing. Uh, the body of Christ all around the world. Uh, different languages, different cultures. And, th and, and the other thing I want to just point out is that sometimes there are different understandings, interpretations, and applications of Christianity. Because we live in America and because we have so much radio and because we have so many books and because we have so much, we think that this is the only way. But I want to suggest to you that there are others, and it, it, it's not like major theological differences, but how they live out their worship looks different. Uh, how they live out uh, in the body of Christ looks different. So, I mean, the, these these are just some realities that if you were to travel to other places of the world, you could you would experience. For instance, I think probably Guatemalan culture is a lot more expressive than, uh, than uh, the New England culture, particularly the Maine culture. Uh, now, that's not to say there aren't Mainers that aren't more expressive, but uh, I think down in Guatemala, and uh, E. Jacob Santos would have to weigh in on this, but I think he listens in a little bit later, uh, sometimes more expressive. Or those who meet for very long worship services, uh, three, four hours uh, in other parts of the world, don't think a thing of it, uh, and yet we get uncomfortable when it hits an hour and 28 minutes. He's not going to get done. He's not going to land the plane. Uh, but there are other people in other places in the world that, you know, if they're not together for three or four hours, they really haven't started church. We, Wendy and I lived in a place in Meadville, Pennsylvania for several months, I don't know, six months or so. Uh, and uh, across the street from us was, was a black Pentecostal. Uh, and they showed up in the morning, and and they were there all day long. And there'd be cars coming and going, but but all day long they were there, and it was just their culture. Anyway, all that out of somebody, Priscilla, starting us off with Guten Morgen, which if you do not know what that is, that is Good Morning in uh, in German. And uh, so you have all this thought that just stems out of that little greeting there in the morning. This morning, I want to talk to us about far farming the fields ripe for harvest. Yesterday, we were 
uh, talking out of Matthew 13, considering some parables that Jesus told about the sower and the soils, the sower, the seed, the soils, uh, the parable of uh, also the, the the parable of the uh, the weeds. Uh, explain how they're going to have weeds. You know, un- maybe ungodly people or people who don't believe the same or people who uh, maybe aren't believers yet they want to be a part of the church and so on that just grow up within the church. And Jesus basically says, Matthew 13, verses 36 through 43, don't don't pull them up. Uh, you don't need to pull them up. And, and I guess that was the explanation of the parable. Uh, if you go back up to verses uh 24 through 30 in Matthew chapter 13, uh, he gives the parable of the weeds. He said, don't pull up the weeds because you will also uh, disturb uh, the good stuff. So just let the weeds alone. It'll get, it'll get parsed out in the end. I mean, that, that seems to be pretty clearly what Jesus is saying. As you look at the, at the parable, the explanation of the parable, again, in Matthew chapter 13, Um One more thing in this section I want to take us into, and then we're going to get into the idea of farming the fields ripe for harvest. Some of this will be stuff that some of you have heard before. But the parable of the net, and this this kind of ties in with, with the theme of evangelism, it says, once again, the kingdom of heaven is like a net that was let down into the lake, caught all kinds of fish. When it was full, the fishermen pulled it up to shore. Then they sat down and collected the good fish in baskets, but threw away the bad. This is how it will be at the end of the age. The angels will come and separate the wicked from the righteous and throw them into the fiery furnace where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Now, just for the record, I know it's gnashing. I know the G is silent. I didn't want you to wonder whether I'm completely out of my gourd or not, but I know gnashing of teeth. I mean, this this concept of the weeping and gnashing of teeth is really talking about eternity. It's talking about heaven. It's talking about hell. It's talking about at the end of the age, and, and the, the angels will come, and there will be this great separation uh, that, that takes place between the righteous and the wicked or the righteous and the unrighteous. Some would say, well, how do I determine if I'm righteous? Well, you can go to Matthew 25, and Matthew 25 talks about the righteous. In fact, let me just take us there so we can see this. Um, Down at verse 31 through 46, there's a, a whole section here that gets into this. I'm a little off topic, but I will get over to the topic. It says, when the Son of Man comes in his glory... And all the angels with him, he will sit on his throne in heavenly glory. All the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate the people one from another as a as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. It's a lot to say. Shepherd separates sheep. Say that ten times quickly. Um, he will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left, and the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father, Take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. Now, 
Let me just pause for a moment. There is a an already as uh, an already here aspect of the kingdom and a not yet here aspect of the kingdom that we that we need to understand. Um, the already here aspect is believers living in this world, taking the gospel, people coming to faith in Christ. I mean that that is the kingdom of God that is here, and yet the fulfillment the, the a few other aspects of the kingdom when it talks about. Uh, in verse 34, the kingdom prepared for you, the ultimate kingdom, the millennial kingdom, or or even beyond the millennial kingdom, the, the final kingdom, um, when there is the total separation of the good and evil, the final judgment has happened, those who are righteous will live on in eternity with God. Uh, so there, there are differing aspects of the kingdom, the already here, right now aspect of the kingdom, because believers who are children of the king walk this earth in that sense there is there is uh, the kingdom here already but then also the kingdom which will come the, the the consummation of all things so when he says in verse 34 take your inheritance the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world he's talking about that future time he, and then he says this this is where the uh, separation begins to happen. For I was hungry, you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I needed rent, and you paid my rent. I was a stranger, you invited me in. Uh, I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you something to drink? And he says, when you when did you see a stranger? and When did you... When when did we see you, a stranger, and invite you in or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And then it goes on and says, the king will reply, I tell you the truth. Whatever you did for the least of these, my brothers, you did for me. Then he will say to those on his left, depart from me, you who are cursed into eternal fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty, you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger, you did not invite me in. I needed clothes, and you did not clothe me. I was sick and in prison, and you, you did not look after me. They will also answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or needing clothes or sick or in prison and did not help you? He will reply, I tell you the truth. Whatever you did not do for one of the least of these, you did not do for me. Then they will go away to eternal punishment, but the righteous to eternal life. Life in the kingdom. Life in the kingdom. So um, living life. But but how, how do we determine? How, how does God determine the separation of the sheep and the goats? I mean, that, that is the question we're asking. And and the answer to the question is, is simply... Uh, by what we do. Now, yes, some would say, well, is this work salvation? Well, no, it's not work salvation, but it it, it shows the reality of our sal- salvation. We teach, we believe that salvation is through uh, by grace through faith alone. We we believe that. But we also believe if your salvation is real, it's going to show up in your life in in ways that are exemplified in Matthew 25 that we're going to do these things. We're going to do the righteous acts. We're going to take care uh, of our, uh, of brothers and sisters. And, and this nowhere in this passage does it delineate between doing something for Christians and non-Christians. 
it only talks about doing it for people. So, you know, uh, one of the dangers that we can have is we get so busy trying to meet all the needs of all the world that, that sometimes could care less, um, that we overlook brothers and sisters in Christ. I believe we should start in the household of God first, take care of each other in the household of God first. But, but then we do also have responsibility for those who are not believers. When they are in desperate straits, when they are in difficult situations, I, I believe that we do have responsibility to uh, try to, to take some action uh, on their behalf to try to, to help them if we are able. I, I think that that is exactly what God would want us to do. So this parable gets into the, uh, you know, just the idea that our faith is going to show up in how we will work to serve other people. Now, the topic at hand, I mean, back in Matthew 13, it just talked about the net brings up all kinds of fish. In the church, we need to understand that we're going to bring up all kinds of fish. It's not going to just be, you know, uh, the fish that we like and, oh, I like that fish. And, well, that fish is kind of smelly. Just bring it all up. Let all hear the gospel. And uh, so we, so we, uh, just communicate, blanket out there to all people, and uh, anyone that will listen, we to them we communicate the gospel. That's what we need to do. Now, the title of today is "Farming the Fields Ripe for Harvest." When you go over to Matthew chapter nine, uh, Jesus was was serving, uh, and he had called disciples to him. He's being questioned about all kinds of things. He's restoring a uh, the life. Uh, of a girl and healing a woman. He heals a couple blind men. He heals a man unable to speak. And then it gets into this verse down at uh, verse 35, Matthew chapter 9. He says, Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom, healing every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his field. The title, Farming the Fields, Ripe for Harvest. He says right here, the harvest is plentiful. The harvest is ripe. The workers are few. And, and you know, I, I think I could fairly say that uh, I, I think uh, in in our day, in our own circumstance, we have kind of the same situation. We we need more workers. Now, talking about workers for the harvest field, I I want to take this time, this moment, this opportunity to remind you of a couple of events that are taking place. Um, one tonight, which is it's Friday, it is the twelfth day of uh, August. Tonight, uh an event taking place at 6.30 out in Windsor, uh, just off of Route 32 on Reed Road uh, between the Windsor Elementary School and the Windsor Fair. It's between those two places, Windsor Christian Fellowship, a gathering to pray for spiritual awakening in the state of Maine. Uh, that's tonight. So I, I encourage you, um, if you'd like to go to that and you want to carpool, you need to let me know uh, earlier this afternoon uh, than later. Uh, I'll be heading over there uh, by 
5.30. It's only about a half hour drive, but I'd like to get there early. So if you want to ride with me, let me know either here. In fact, I'd prefer it not be in the comments. I'd prefer you message me uh, or text me or send me an email or something because I might not get back to these messages necessarily uh, if you want to ride tonight. Then tomorrow at 8.30, there is a training for um, evangelism. I mean, it isn't a how to have an evangelism event. This is how do you share Christ with people event. And that's that takes place tomorrow, 8.30 to 11.30. Breakfast is included. There is really no good reason to not go uh, um, because you can't say, well, like breakfast, well, Windsor's too far. It's 35 minutes. Um, I just throw that out there. It's an opportunity for you uh, and the van tomorrow or the carpool tomorrow from the church is leaving at 7.30. So, um, it, again, 7.30. If it goes to 11.30, you'll get back at 12.30 unless you decide to go somewhere for lunch with the people that you're with, something like that. So I just want to encourage you. And it comes back to this verse right here where Jesus says to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. And we have to ask our own selves, are we workers in the harvest field? Are, are, do we do our part? Do we do what we are called to do? Uh, do we take the opportunity? Now, I know, I know that there are several of you who do take the opportunity to, to do what you can do because uh, you share it. You talk about it. You, you communicate it. And uh, and we're we're grateful. We're we're glad to know how how it is that you share Christ. Um, some of you are are masterful and skilled at sharing Christ in in places like their deathbed. Uh, you're really really good, uh, and uh, it, it just caring for people, walking through the valley of the shadow of death. You are gifted at that, and you share Christ at that point. And and as I shared with somebody this last week, I mean, it's not too late. It's never too late for somebody until they breathed their last breath. Uh, is the deathbed prayer legit? Well, if the heart is legit in that deathbed prayer, yes. Parable of, uh, not it wasn't the parable, it's the story. It's the historical story of the man, the thief on the cross, dying with Jesus. One ridiculed Jesus, one repented of his sins. The one that repented of his sins on his deathbed, if you will, hanging on a cross, Jesus looked at him and said to him, today you will be with me in paradise, an indication of the legitimacy of that man's salvation. So it's never too late to seek to share Christ with somebody, to communicate Christ. Again, here's the verse, verse 37, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. The interesting thing is, when you go to the very next chapter, uh, you notice the heading at the very top here, the 12 apostles. So it names the apostles, and then it goes down, and the next major heading here that is placed into the text is uh, Jesus sends out the 12. And so he, he talks about sending them. And, and, and as they're sent, we are sent. As, 
move it down. It says, these 12 Jesus sent out with the following instructions. And some would say, well, only the 12 were sent. This isn't for the rest of us. Well, I, I want us to look at what, what it has to say here. It says, these 12 Jesus sent out with the following instructions. Do not go among the Gentiles or any town of the Samaritans. That was for them at that point in time. Rather, go to the lost sheep of Israel. That, that was their first priority mission. Uh, as you go, preach this message. The kingdom of heaven is near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out the demons, freely you receive, freely you give. Again, this is, some would teach and believe that, that this is limited to this these 12 disciples as they're trying to establish the legitimacy uh, of the gospel and, and that all of these things are not necessarily for us today. The idea of healing sick, raising dead, cleansing those who have leprosy, driving out demons, freely receive, freely give. And yet there are aspects of this that we know are clearly for us today. Freely you receive, freely give. And he goes on and says, do not take along any gold or silver or copper in your belts. Uh, take no bag for the journey or extra tunic or sandals or a staff, for the worker is worthy of his keep. Uh, whatever town or village you enter, search for some worthy person there and stay at his house until you leave. As you enter the home, give your greeting. If the home is deserving, let your peace rest on it. If it is not, let your peace return to you. If anyone will not welcome you or listen to your word, shake the dust off your feet when you leave that home or town. I tell you the truth, it will be more bearable for Sodom and Gomorrah on that day, uh, uh, on the day of judgment than for that town. I mean, not taking gold, silver, uh, copper in your belts, take no bag for the journey. Just trust that the Lord's going to take care of you uh, in the midst of in the midst of that. So. Uh, as you enter the home, give it your greeting. If the home is deserving, let your peace rest on it. If it is not, let your peace return to you. So uh, persons of peace looking at homes. They were looking for homes that they could enter into and communicate the gospel. A home that might be willing to entertain a, an, an evangelistic Bible study. And we're not talking the home of believers. We're talking about finding somebody that's not a believer that is curious and interested and say, can we have some people come to your home where we, we will study the truths about God and, and, and learn about God? And, and we would use the word evangelistic. We might not use that word, hey, we're having an evangelistic Bible study. Do you want to come? You might not say that to, to a non-believer, but what you might say is we're having a, a discovery Bible study, a, a Bible study to discover truths about the Christian life, truths about God. Uh, is it, if it's some an area where you're curious, we'd love to have you come. So we learn how to invite people to a study like this. But Matthew 10 is, you know, he's sending them out and telling them to, to preach the message, the kingdom of heaven is near. Uh, we are told, you know, to go out and communicate the same type of message. Uh, John 20, 21, he will say, as the Father has sent me, so send I you, and I'm pointing at you, we are sent in that sense. Uh, Matthew uh, 28, 19 and 20, at, therefore, as you're going, make disciples of all nations as you're going, as you're going to work, as you're, as you're doing business dealings, as you are doing fill in the blank, you just walk with God and, uh, you let, you, you, you let God, uh, work in you and through you. To communicate the gospel to the people. Now, I, I want to talk about some other principles here. Uh, in John chapter 4 is another place where Jesus talks about the, the harvest fields being white. So um, 
Let me get us over there, and we'll take a look at this verse. The context of this is Jesus has just spent time talking to the woman at the well. She is believed. She has gone out and got a lot of other people to come out and listen to Jesus. Uh, and and you, you can read it down through the passage. Uh, verse 28 says, Leaving her jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, Come see a man who told me everything I ever did. I guess I could put that on the screen so you can see it. Um, Yeah, verse 29, come see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Christ? They came out of the town and made their way toward him. Meanwhile, the disciples urged him, Rabbi, eat something. Jesus never got hangry, but they were afraid that he might. They had to go, you know, they were trying to get him to have a Snickers bar. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you know nothing about. And the disciples said to each other, could someone have brought him food? My food, said Jesus, is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. I mean, for us, that our sustenance to a certain measure is is bound up in living out our Christian life. Our sustenance is is bound up in doing the will of God. You know, I, I, I have lots of things that, that I could enjoy doing. Um, but can I, can I say to you, there's nothing I enjoy more than the work that I do. Uh, my work is satisfying. Now, now I do get discouraged. I, I've, I've communicated people uh, recently that it's just uh, the last few weeks have been discouraging. And in certain measures, and perhaps it's the attack of the enemy just trying to, um, you know, keep us from getting to the stuff that God wants us to get to, uh, that that could be the case. Um, and, you know, I thought about sitting on a tractor and cutting grass and different things and and how relaxing that could be, but week after week after week, no, when there's so much work to be done, um, uh, there's so much. I mean, I, I I can get up at 4 o'clock in the morning and run all day long, and, and there's just so much to do uh, to, to stimulate and stir the gospel uh, here in our own local church, here on the airwaves, um, here in the state of Maine, uh, Reaching around the globe, other places, just and, and I love what I, my food. I I I love what I do. And, and Jesus said this. He said, "My food is to do the will of Him who sent me to finish His work." Now that isn't to say I don't need to get away. It's not to say that at all. You know, uh, rather than spending hours cutting grass or something like that, um, maybe I'd rather get on a boat and sail around the Mediterranean and, and go to Ephesus and Thessalonica and Crete and. Um, Istanbul and and Rome and places and see that those biblical places or lead lead tours and do things like that uh, to to other places of the world or go and, and visit people in Africa and say how can we partner together or the, I mean those are all things that uh, there's so much to do and I love what I do and uh, sometimes the things of this world can be quite distracting. But then he gets into verse 35, and he says, Do you not say four months more and then the harvest? He says, I tell you, open your eyes. Look at the fields. They are ripe for harvest. And so Jesus is saying to us, look around you. Yes, the world system, we might live in a post-modern, post 
Christian uh, time and society right now. That that may be true. We may live in a society and a culture that seems anti-Christian, but friend, there are people that need to know Jesus. There are people that need to hear the gospel, and and there are people who will respond. And what we tend to do is let our, ourselves be uh, off-put by the people who won't respond. We tend, tend to allow ourselves to be off-put by the critics. We, we tend to allow ourselves to be off-put by the people who ask questions that maybe we don't, we, we, we're not quite in a place we can answer yet. I have a plethora of books on my shelf that would probably help you be able to answer some of those questions uh, relating to, to philosophy and education, the modern world, um, Western thought. Uh, the scriptures bringing it all together. Uh, but rather than worrying about those who won't respond or worrying about our persecutors, we just need to be faithful to communicate the gospel. And Jesus is saying, look at the fields. John four thirty five. I tell you, open your eyes. Look at the fields. They are ripe for harvest. He says, even now the reaper draws his wages. Even now he harvests the crop for eternal life so that the sower and the reaper can be glad together. Thus the one saying, one sows and other reaps, is true. I've sent you to reap what you've not worked for. Others have done the hard work, and you've reaped the benefits of your labor. Lessons from the field. I've talked a little bit about, and this is not original to me, the, the idea of CPR. No, I'm not talking cardiopulmonary resuscitation. Uh not talking about that at all. I'm talking about cultivating, planting, and reaping. This this concept it was not something I came up with. I just I, I want to say that it, uh, I think it was my my one of my mentors, Dan Spader. Uh, if it wasn't him, it was Mark Edwards. If it wasn't him, it was Don Roscoe. If it wasn't him, anyway, there, there's a number of people who all work together. Uh, have worked together in an organization called Sun Life and and. Uh, uh, Concentric Global have worked together, and they kind of come up with that little cross stick. It might have even been somebody else, but but it's taught through through the mechanism of Sun Life. Cultivate, plant, reap. Cultivate a relationship with somebody. That's what you do. You, you cultivate the relationship. You spend time with him. You do things with him. You play golf with him. You uh, have a meal with him. You have coffee with him. There's not any number of things you cultivate a relationship. See. That C, and then P is you plant the seed of the gospel. You, you know, if you're re- meeting with somebody and they're kind of come to the point where they pour out their heart to you, say, can I, can I pray for you? In that prayer, or even suggesting that you would pray for them, you might be planting the seeds of the gospel. So that is that is something else that you can do. And then, and then you know, after you've built the relationship, after you've planted the seed a number of times, or maybe other people planted seeds, or they've gone to an event with you, Eventually, you say to that person, you know, what about Jesus? What will you do with Jesus? So you harvest, cultivate, C, plant, P, reap, R, C, P, R. It is God working in your life and my life, in and through your life and my life, to breathe eternal life into somebody else and to get their spiritual heart pumping. Yes, it's a mixed metaphor between the 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 medical aspect the the, the fizzle the fizzle the physiological uh, aspect of of CPR but then also the farming uh, acrostic of uh, cultivating planting and reaping and how that's what we would do and we would work at cultivating planting and reaping the 
the people are ready and we never know who's ready. Uh, and one of the Billy Graham studies talks about how, um, it takes people seven encounters with, with Christians. Now, I, I'm, I'm maybe stating this differently than it's written. Seven encounters with the gospel or seven positive encounters with Christians before they even begin to be ready to respond to the gospel. So don't be discouraged. You share it once and they go, no. I mean, it took me a while to, to begin to understand the gospel. It wasn't like someone shared it once and I popped. Now, there are some people that, that are right there. They're right on the edge, and you share the gospel, and maybe they've heard it before. Maybe they heard it when they were a kid. Maybe they went to camp, a, a Christian camp or or to a vacation Bible school or to a, some children's ministry or something years and years and years and years and years ago, uh, and, uh, and now they're coming back to it and realizing something is missing from their life. Um, and they respond. We never know. Uh, our responsibility is to work the harvest fields, both in Matthew chapter 9 and here in John chapter 4. He, he Jesus talks about the harvest field. He talks about the need of workers in the harvest field. Uh, he talks about the the, the, the fruitfulness, the, the food the uh, of doing the Father's will. Um, he talks about us... Uh, reaping the harvest for eternal life. He talks about the sower and the reaper. You might reap. I mean, here's another another metaphor that uh, that Paul uses in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, and I think this will be the last one I will share. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, uh, some are saying, I follow this guy or I follow that guy. I follow Dr. Je- David Jeremiah. Well, I fo- follow Skip Heitzig. Well, I, I follow John MacArthur. Well, I follow... There, I'll throw this out there for you. I follow Dr. Jim Culbertson. There, I, I said it because some people, you get it after me when I don't include myself. No, uh, this this passage in uh, 1 Corinthians 1, there's divisions in the church all over. Well, this, we should follow this guy or we should follow this guy or we should do this. And he says in verse 3, you are still worldly because you are, uh, you, you are quarreling about these things. Stop your quarreling. Stop your quarreling. And don't act like mere men. Verse 4, he says, for one says, I follow Paul, another, I follow Paulus. Are you not acting like mere men? What, after all, is Apollos? What is Paul? Only servants through whom you came to believe as the Lord is assigned to each his task. Now, and and here is the the metaphor getting back to the agricultural uh, motif here. I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God made it grow. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who makes things grow. The man who plants and the man who waters have one purpose, and each will be rewarded according to his labor. For we are are God's fellow workers, you are God's field, God's building. Now here's Paul, he's going to go, mix the metaphor and now shift over to a building. Um, but the field, the idea of, of you, you, you never know, you plant seeds. Uh, you might be watering seeds. God will make the seed grow in its good time. That's how it works. We serve together with God. We trust God to do his work. We, we open our mouths and communicate and share the, share the, share the gospel. I had, I had a fantastic time last night visiting uh, with our dear dear friend, dear sister Nell, uh, dropped off a few things at our house, and we stood on the the, the side deck for 
uh, a while and talked about um, just ministry and life. And, you know, sometimes we, we at, do we ask God to give us the opportunities uh, to communicate the gospel? And then when they show up, what do we do? You know, sometimes we're like, should I say this? Should I not say this? Well, I'm becoming more and more to the point in my life where I think we just need to speak up. And and you can do it with grace. Ask God to make your your, your language, your, your conversation uh, gracious. Paul talks about this in um, Colossians, the fourth chapter, that, that our speech should always be seasoned with salt, gracious. So we ask the Lord to help us be gracious, but we still need to speak up. And uh, you know, so when someone is sitting there with us, it's like, well, let me tell you about Christ. So that's what we do. I try to communicate Christ. We just let God use us. We, we never know how God's going to work. And it was a great story that, that Nell talked about, about the person she was talking to. Then somebody else came and sat at the table and listened in and had the opportunity to leave the table and didn't. Now, Nell, this is your story. I'm sorry. I'm telling your story. But they sat right there. It's like, well, what God's doing something. Friends, God is doing something. God is at work. And I want to encourage us to not be discouraged with that. And maybe I'm pointing at myself saying that God is at work. Yeah, everything might not be all that people think it ought to be, but God is at work. And are we looking for what we want or are we looking for what God wants? What does God want in, in, in your life? What does God want in my life? What does God want in the church? What does God want, you know, for the kingdom? So, um, what does he want? And, and to work with him, to walk with him, to serve him, and uh, to make him known. And he wants us to be able to disciple somebody. You know, another conversation now is saying in the comments here, go, Pastor. It's God's story. Well, it is. And, you know, when, when Nell shared this story, when she became a believer, no one discipled her, and the pastor realized no one stepped up. Friends, we want to prepare you. We want to equip you to be able to step up that when somebody says, I need to be discipled, that you would be in a place where you know what to do. That's what we're going to work at this fall, learning how to make disciples as Jesus made disciples so that you have the confidence of knowing how to sit down with somebody else and, and how to lead them through the growth process. Move them across the chairs, if you will, as we talked about those four chairs uh, three or four weeks ago here in our Sunday worship service. Well, it's been a longer morning. We are at uh, almost 45 minutes now. It flies right by, does it not? At least it does for me most often. I want to get you into your day. Uh, yeah, and uh, uh, Claire picked up on it. Fatter, we need to be fatter people. Now, I am losing weight again, and I, I rejoice. I say hallelujah in that. Um, God is working in my body and helping me to lose weight, and I'm, I'm thankful. Uh, but fatter, faithful, available, Teachable, thankful, uh, exemplary, and responsible. That's the type of people that we need to be. Again, that's an acrostic I did develop. Uh, my friend and mentor, uh, Dan, developed F-A-T-R, fatter, that way, and I, I filled it out and spelled out the actual words. So anyway, friends, I'm going to get you into your day. Lord, help us to, to see the harvest fields today. Uh, Lord, anybody that listens to this broadcast that doesn't yet know Christ, I pray that you will draw them to faith in Christ. I pray that you will 
cause them to believe in you. And then, Lord, for those of us that do know you, help us to be excited to work with you and to work with each other and, and to allow you to work in our lives and through our lives to see the kingdom expanded. Lord, be glorified in our in our lives, be glorified in our homes, be glorified in our workplaces, be glorified in your church, Lord. Lord, for the glory of Jesus, we pray. Lord, hear our prayer. Friends, that's a wrap for today. Uh, I'll give you a little heads up. I'm not going to be on next Tuesday morning. I'm going to be in Boston next Tuesday. Uh, and so I, I will not be uh, broadcasting because it's, it's going to be a very early morning trip down to Boston. So just to give you a heads up, be here Monday, not Tuesday, and back at it Wednesday. Meantime, remember the event out in Windsor, Maine tonight at Windsor Christian Fellowship, 6.30 tonight, 8.30 tomorrow morning. And then again, worship here on Sunday. Have a great day, everyone. I will see you all later.